Let's talk today about the subject matter, well or well done. Well or well done, you can only make your life count when you make your days count. Anybody understand that heaven is real? Heaven is real, and you and I will stand before heaven at some point in the future. I don't mean to depress you in any way. I'm a pastor of Joy Church, but one out of one people die. That's a statistic that I just read on the internet. Now, not today. Please don't mistake me. We want you to live a long, satisfied life. But all of us will eventually be in heaven. And how many understand we will not be appearing at the great white throne judgment. That's for unbelievers. That's found in Revelation chapter 20, 10 through 15. But all of us will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. You can find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. And you can find it in Romans chapter 14, 10 through 12. We'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And how many would like to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Instead of, well, and I don't know about you, but if we're going to make our life count, we got to make our days count for the Lord. Our key verse is found in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. Please turn to it. I'll just quote it. I just love, love, love the Word of God, and I'm so honored to share it with you today. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, this is our key verse. I'm going to really give you a paradigm shift in your thinking today. How many know what a paradigm shift is? Let me, let me illustrate a paradigm shift. Did you see recently on one of the news outlets there was an employee that uh, worked for the bus company, and he was fired. It was crazy. He was literally fired simply for giving up his seat uh, to an old blind woman. What a culture we live in until you find out that he was the bus driver. <laughs> now, now, not everybody's fully got it yet, Pastor Chas. Now, what did I do? That's a paradigm shift. You were heading down a certain road mentally, weren't you? I heard you all, the mercy gifts, oh, that's so sad. And then all of a sudden, I shifted gears, and I had you, most of you, uh, taking a paradigm shift with me. That's what this message is all about today. There's a paradigm shift. Let me tell you, too, while I'm looking out at everybody. You know what blesses me? Because we have the same thing at Joy Church. This is a multicultural church. That's more and more rare in this country. And I'm so thankful for what God is doing here. Beautiful. Beautiful. At our church, we're multi-generational. We have every age. At our church, uh, we're multicultural, the most in our county by far. I love that. Uh, we're, we are very multi-denominational, but most importantly, we're multivitamin. <laughs> now, now, folks, I pastor Joy Church. You have to laugh at my stuff. So let me give you a paradigm shift, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. Watch this now. Redeeming the time... For the days are evil. It's a pretty simple verse. Redeeming 
the time, for the days are evil. That word redeeming in the Greek language, how many know the New Testament was originally written as what's called Koine Greek? Koine just means common. I don't bring these words out to impress you. I simply bring them out to bless you because they tell a story that a lot of times that the English does not. That word redeeming is the Greek word ekagarazo. And it literally means to buy back or to ransom. God is telling you and I to redeem or ransom or buy back, Brian, the time. That word time is a different Greek word. Most of the word time in the New Testament is chronos. We get a word chronology from it. This is different. This is kairos. And it means a divine opportunity. You and I have to redeem the divine opportunities. Why? Because the days or the culture is evil. We need to buy back the time on a daily basis and take advantage of divine opportunities because they come more often than you know, but we must be ready for them Shall we talk about it? I'm going to give you four different ways to buy back the time, four different ways so that you can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, not just well. And this is going to give you a paradigm shift so that every day it will give you an opportunity in some way to absolutely make your days count for God so that you can make your life count for God. It is my heart cry to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This is my 40th year of ministry. Somebody encourage the pastor. I started when I was four-ish, four-ish, and I am so excited. Listen, in all this time, I'm so excited about the Lord. I'm so honored to be serving him. Uh, Pastor Chast and I serve on the same uh, board of trustees, and as we ministered at the conference there in Texas not too long ago, I always tell folks it's always an honor for me to be in front of folks ministering, because while I've been in the ministry for 40 years, 43 years ago, I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar. I was a societal reject. Only one person believed in me. That was my mother. She would not let go of me spiritually. If you're in here today and you've got a wayward son or daughter, listen, do not give up. She would not do anything. My mom, as, as I, and I was evil. I should be dead or in jail or both. How many know that's not a good day when you're dead and in jail? Now, you, you're looking at me now, and I'm quoting Greek words, and I have on this beautiful shirt, multicolored Joseph shirt. But I'm telling you right now, I used to be as big as that guy or bigger, and I was so mean because I did not know the Lord. But he radically saved me. And there's a Bible verse in Luke 7:47 where the Bible says, and I love this, to whom much is forgiven, there is much love. That's one of the keys and why I'm so in love with the Lord and why I'm so full of joy and why I always take it as an honor and a privilege and a get-to. It's never a have-to for me. And in 40 years of ministry, I've never gotten burnt out. Do you know why? I have been forgiven of so much. Please don't go back and remember your sin, but please never forget that you have been forgiven. 
It's the key to more love with the Lord because I know what his mercy is. I'm sorry, that's not my message. That's just my heart. And so I'm privileged to be here today. So as I quote, quote Greek words, please don't be impressed with me. Please remember that this was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar 43 years ago. Be impressed with God. So thankful. So let's redeem. I'm going to give you four different ways to do that. Let's redeem our time because the days really are evil. Let's take advantage so we can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, now I like to tell people wherever I minister, I like to tell people a little bit about me, my background, because now I can tell you're already more at ease It helps me be a better pastor. I've been where you've been. I've done what you've done, plus a lot worse. Uh, I've overcome it through the Lord. I can help you. Hi, my name is Jim. Nice to see everybody today. Number one, and I think this is so important, let every, this goes hand in hand with my life, let every single sinner, let every single sinner be an opportunity for salvation. She's not just the waitress. She's an opportunity. She's not your coworker. He's an opportunity. I love, I love what your pastors did. How many people, you're leading people to the Lord. How many of you shared your faith? This is a different kind of a church. I love it. You shared your faith over the last week? Come on, lift your hand. I am so proud of you. Ma'am, I am so proud of you. I love your smile. I love you just, you just have such a radiance for the Lord. I just, I'm, I love that already. I, I'm so proud of you to share the Lord. You share the Lord. And listen, that's such a beautiful thing. And as your pastor said, it is the one thing, Luke chapter 15, 10 and 11, the one thing that causes all of the angels in heaven to rejoice is when one sinner repents. Thank God for miracles. We believe in them. Thank God for every person that comes out of a wheelchair. Thank God for every blind person that sees. But those are only temporal. What is eternal is when one person gives their life to Jesus Christ. Oh, man, man, encourage everybody in the house. Jesus said in Luke 19 and 10, he came to seek and save that which is lost. That's why he came. You remember the parables in Luke 15 uh, that, that led up to 10 and 11, the two parables, the one of the lost sheep and the one of the lost coin. What does that tell you? That tells you something very important. Lost things are valuable things. 43 years ago, I was a societal reject, but valuable to God. He, he knew if I could just keep this turkey alive, he's going to be a pastor one day. <laughs> if I could just keep this turkey alive. And I'm telling you, I, I'm just so grateful. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, 8 and 9, that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let every single sinner be an opportunity for salvation. Lost things really are valuable things. I've got one son. Uh, He's 20. He works with me in the ministry. I hired him simply so I could continue to boss him around as a young adult. That's the only reason I hired him. (laughs) And I'm a fisherman, as Pastor Chas said. How many know God loves fishermen? He picked a bunch of them to be on his staff. He didn't pick shoppers. I better come over here where it's safe. (laughs) 
I'm going to tell you, he loves fishermen. I have a fishing boat. It's not a yacht. It's just a fishing boat. I'd love to fish. I, my hobby is fishing for shark. That's why you can't have a hobby that's fishing for shark and live a double life. As a pastor, you have to be true to God or, or you, this will not go well for you. So I've got a fishing boat. I remember when John was little, he was maybe four or five years old, Pastor Chass, and and, you know, he didn't really like to fish too much at four or five. His patience level was not high. So we put a little life jacket on him, and we kind of let him, you know, under the bow of the boat. Uh, uh, he'd hold on to a little thing. He had a life jacket on while we were fishing. Everything was safe and so forth. And, and all of a sudden, we moved a little bit in the boat, and we could not find our son, John. Now, listen to me. How many know... Uh, I, I, if someone goes down in a lake, they're in big trouble. You know, if it's in a pool, you can see. In a, in a blue ocean, you can see. But, man, you go down in a lake, you're in big trouble. And we could not. I mean, we're calling out John, John. And you can imagine my voice got higher as we didn't hear any response. John, John. And now I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, because it's a lake. And we've moved some. And there's a little bit of a current. And I want you to know, I didn't think, as much as I love fishing, I didn't think a thing about it. I didn't think about the boat. I didn't think about, I had one thing on my mind, and that was the lost thing. At that moment, it was the most valuable thing in my life. My son who was lost. And I was yelling. I was about to jump in the water and dive in and try to search around. And all of a sudden, I heard this little voice, Daddy. He had hidden himself underneath, wedged him underneath the bow of the boat where we could not see him anywhere he looked. And I grabbed him by the life jacket, and I hauled him into my boat. And I was so excited at one moment to see him, but on the other hand, kind of ticked off as well. How many understand that? the dichotomy that I was walking through at the moment. But I want you to know, at that moment, that was the most valuable, valuable person in the world. Let me give you a couple of thoughts about every sinner is an opportunity for salvation. Let me give you a thought, number one. Check it out. I've got a couple of subpoints. Number one. You go ahead and put it up there if you'd be so kind. Thank you. People are not annoyances or distractions, but moments and opportunities. How many know sometimes people just, they just bother us, but they're not distractions. They are, they are not annoyances. They are opportunities. Oh, listen, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm just like your pastor's wife, I'm a soul winner Every time I share the gospel with someone, I'm just simply sharing the gospel with the old Pastor Jim. That's all I'm doing. The guy that didn't know Christ. And I do it all the time. I, I use all kinds of things as connections. I was talking to a guy the other day, and, and he had a cauliflower ear. How, how many know what a cauliflower ear is? That tells me one of two things. He's either an MMA guy or he's a wrestler. And I know, I used to be a wrestler when I was a young man. I used to wrestle 185 in high school. And, and, and I, I know a wrestler when I see him. And, and so I, that was my connection. I said, you MMA or are you a wrestler? And he was talking to me, and he's a wrestler. And we just started talking about wrestling from there and on and on and on. I, I just loved on him for about 15, 20 minutes and connected with him. 
and his heart began to open up. And now I was able to share the gospel with him. And right there, Tyler, the young wrestler, gave his life to Jesus Christ. Come on, he got pinned by the Lord. This is it. I do do this everywhere. I go not as a pastor, but as a Christian. Jesus' last words were not stay ye, it was go ye. And in that simple verse, Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. We have so many different confusions with that very, very, very simple verse. Go, not stay. Go. This, This is the church service. When the church service is over, that's when you, the church, begin. Go ye in all the world. Ye is not some little Chinese guy. Ye is me. I think we think that ye is a little Chinese guy. He's supposed to win everybody to the Lord. No, ever say it with me. Say ye is me. Go ye into all the world. We think, how can I go? I, I'm not Pastor Joni. I can't go to Uganda. How can I go into all the world? Your world is where you are, where you work, where you work out, where you shoplift. That's your world. Like I have some people trying to play it straight right now, like, go ye into all the world and preach. Now, that word leaves us behind because we think, well, I can't preach. I can't preach like Pastor Chas or Pastor Joni. I, hey, hey, I can't do that. Oh, could, could I have an amen? You people, some of you people have no idea how to have church. You have no idea. I can't do that. Well, listen to me. That's, that's okay. It really is okay. That, hey, yeah, that's not preaching. That's just a hairball. I'm trying to, trying to get it up. The word preach is the Greek word keruxon, and it means to proclaim. Everybody can proclaim. And the gospel simply means good news. Everybody can proclaim. We sang about it earlier. The gospel is simple. Everybody can do it. And I really challenge everybody in the house, man, come on, every sinner is an opportunity for salvation. Want to make your life count? You got to make your days count. Second thing I want to talk to you about, salvation standards. Good, you guys are with me. This is a good balance. Resist the system with courage, but reach the souls with compassion. Now, can you see that balance? How many, how many know we live in a crazy, crazy culture? Have you noticed? How many know it's a little bit dark out there? How many know it's getting crazier? But how many also stand to, to me, I'm excited about that. Because the darker it is, the brighter we shine. And I'm not concerned about the darkness as I am the absence of light. It's time for us to shine. We resist the system with courage. We stand up against unbiblical, ungodly things we're needed to societally. But we reach the souls within that system with compassion. Never get so caught up with an issue that you miss the individuals within that issue. And if we can just pull them aside... You'd be surprised how open they are. Listen, I know these times are dark, but in 40 years of ministry, I've never seen such a hunger for Christ. I've never seen such a hunger for people to give their lives to the Lord. They're empty. Uh, I met a young man in his 20s in my visitor reception room at church just the other Sunday. And I was loving on him and encouraging him, connecting with him. And he was honest. He hadn't been in church a long time. 
And he said, I'm a very successful real estate agent. And he was for his age, very successful. He said, I realize now that I've hit this pinnacle, I'm still empty on the inside. And I share with him the gospel to fill that emptiness. He wasn't quite ready, but he came back the following Wednesday. And then he came back uh, to our young adult meeting on Thursday. And I asked, I said, oh, his name is Marcus. I said, did you think about what we talked about? He said, I have. I said, are you ready to be born again? Are you ready to give your life? He said, I am. We brought him to the side, led him to Jesus Christ. Now Marcus is a born-again child of the living God. They're hungry, folks. They're hungry. The Bible is very clear in James chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible says that anybody who is a friend of the world system is an enemy with God. But the Bible also says in John, in Luke chapter 7 and verse 34, the Bible says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. So I resist the system with courage, but I reach the souls with compassion. One of my favorite stories is we have a ministry at our church to the police. Uh, we, we just really minister to them. They, you know, they need a lot of encouragement. And we have a lot, a lot of police that come uh, to the church and we bless them every year. We put on a big thing for them. We surprise them. And we gave everything in our entire uh, district, every single police officer and employee, a $100 Amazon gift card just to bless them. How many know this pastor will do almost anything to get out of tickets? Oh, that's funnier than you're laughing. You know that. Thank you. And so we were telling people about our outreach uh, to the police and telling our people, say, now, if you know police, I want you to invite them to the church because we're going to get them born again. We're going to, you know, give them the gospel, give them the word. And, and so I said, here's my plan. Here's what I'd like you to do all week long. Everywhere you go, speed. <laughs> and when you get pulled over, then invite them to our outreach. I was kidding, everybody. I was kidding. And they were looking at me like you are like, are you serious? No, I'm joking. But I did, make, I did make that joke. Well, that week we had a woman in the church who did, not on purpose, but sped accidentally and got pulled over and remember what her pastor told her to do. <laughs> and so she invited the policeman to our outreach. The policeman came, Brian. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he now works at the church handling the traffic uh, because it's, we have multiple services, handling the traffic on Saturday and Sunday. And he's been an active member of our church since that time. Now, I am not giving you a speeding doctrine. Could I have an amen? But I am saying that we can redeem the time for the days are illegal. Second thing that you need to know is not only do we need to make every sinner an opportunity for salvation, but if we're going to make our life count, we need to make every saint an opportunity for exhortation. How many of you are sometimes not around people that don't know the Lord? Today in church, we're around a whole bunch of folks that do know the Lord. But how many also understand we've got to walk through crowds slowly? See, preachers, we love crowds. We don't always love people. Now, your pastors do, and we do. Last time I checked, 
all crowds are made up of people. That's why I have a hard time. I, I, all my notes are up there. My, my church always makes fun of me. They say, Pastor, you put notes up on the thing, but you never look at them. I, I know. I like being with people. Listen, there's some folks in here that are hurting. They might be sitting next to you. They might be having a real smile on their face. But I want you to know, let every single saint be an opportunity for exhortation. Let me give you a couple of thoughts on that. You can follow on the screens behind me. Look at thought number one. Check it out. I love this. Here it comes. Thank you. Encouragement is oxygen to the soul. Listen, Hebrews 3.13, the Bible says, we are to encourage one another daily while it's called today. How many know it's called today? All day long. You have until 11.59 to encourage a brother in the, or sister in the Lord. It is oxygen to the soul. The Bible says that encouraging news, Proverbs 25, 25, from afar off is like a refreshing water. I mean, oh, Proverbs 25, 21, the Bible says that a good word is just simply like a golden apple in silver settings. Proverbs 12, 25, an encouraging word makes a heart glad. People are out of courage. Encouragement puts courage in other folks. Everywhere I go, when I'm around believers like you, this is my goal today. I want to encourage you. Like I was so, so pleased. Here's Brian's. These are Brian's son, second son and son, second row, Bible open. I'm so proud of you guys. How old are you, sir? You married? Get your hand up. 20 years old. Good-looking guy. How old are you, sir? 17? No, it's too early for you. So proud of you guys. Got your Bibles open with your pops, serving the Lord in the church. We had, we had some folks that were taking pictures in the pastor's room, and I found out there was one young lady. She was 15, another other young lady that was 18. I'm so proud of them serving the Lord. Come on, encourage them. Encouragement is huge. It's just huge. Let me, let, me, let me give you a story. You say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not real gregarious like Pastor Joni or Pastor Jim. I, I've got a kind of a quiet personality. There's so much you can do to encourage other folks. Let me give you an example. A few years back, it was uh, Christmas Eve. We were having a Christmas Eve service at the church. Uh, this was before we moved into our new building. And, and it was Christmas Eve, and we were all, you know, long service, and we were ready to go home and, 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 and celebrate with our family. And I was ready to open up all the great gifts that my wife had given me because she shops <laughs> a lot. And I, I was ready to go home. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, very, very transparent with you. I had an older gentleman, Pastor Chas. He was probably 90, come up to me in the foyer did not introduce himself to me, didn't say his name or anything, just walked up to me and started singing a Christian song. And I don't mean quietly, at the top of his lungs. Now, you guys are so sweet. You're like, oh, you are so sweet. You're much sweeter than I am. Because I'm going to be very honest with you. I felt awkward. I didn't know who he was. I never met him. I didn't know his name. We were in the foyer, and he was singing at the top of his lungs. And I felt very awkward. 
in that song. And I was thinking, oh, okay. And, and then as he was singing his song, I was saying, in, internally, I'm just being transparent with it. Like, okay, he's almost over. I know the end of this song, and it's, <laughs> it's about over now. Okay, the, uh, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And then all of a sudden, it was over, and he had a second one. <laughs> here we go. Christmas Eve, sir. I don't know you. This is awkward. Thank you, sir, for laughing at my stuff. Thank you. Would you like to move up a couple rows? Because I could. A little bit into the second song, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit began to minister to me. And I didn't understand it at first. And he says, son, you've got one thing this older gentleman needs. Your attention. Paradigm shift. Now I know in a very simple way, I'm being used by God, but in an unusual way. And now all of a sudden I get this and I see what's happening. He finishes his second song and now it's a whole different world. I said, sir, do you have a third song? And he did. (laughs) But now I'm being used by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, fast forward. About two months later, I'm giving that example in a message at church. And I'm sharing what happened. And we gave an altar call at the end. And I had, to, for people that wanted to receive the Lord, and I had a young couple come up, and they were bawling. I said, what? You've got to tell me what's going on in your heart. That story you told, sir, I never met him before. They'd never been to church before. That story you told was my grandfather. He just went on to be with Jesus. And the only thing that he had left all his life, he's in the church choir. And he just wanted someone to hear him sing. As a result, that young couple gave their life to Christ. Can you see the paradigm shift? Every single saint now is an opportunity for encouragement. They're not annoyances. They're not, man, I got to get to, so many times we're in such a hurry to get to our work, we miss our work in the hall. It's called people. The folks that Jesus died for. The only thing that we can take to heaven. Second thing that you need to know, never underestimate the power of an encouraging word. Never. It's there, there. Can anybody remember when you were struggling and all of a sudden somebody gave you an encouraging word? Oh, I can. I can remember exactly where I was. The, I love this. The Bible says, encouraging word, Proverbs 12, 25, quote, it makes a heart glad. Notice the end part of this proverb. But anxiety weighs a heart down. That's depression. And that's what this, right now, this country is full of anxiety. The Bible prophesies that in Isaiah 61 through 5. In the last days, it talks about that darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness shall come upon the people. 
That's really talking about a mental depression. And boy, are we living. But the good news is, the Bible says, the glory of the Lord will be risen up on us and seen up on us. May I challenge everybody, don't underestimate the power of an encouraging word. Uh, a very well-known publisher, Christian publisher, uh, had two meetings back-to-back with very famous Christian ministers. This is when Billy Graham was still alive. Met with a very famous evangelist one day, and they met most of the day. He was going to write an article on him in the magazine and so forth. And, and they met, and he said, coming away with that meeting with that famous evangelist, he was very impressed with that evangelist's ministry. The evangelist told him all about his ministry and, and, and on and on. He came away very impressed with the evangelist. The next day, he met Billy Graham, and Billy Graham came to the door and said, Hi, I'm Billy. What's your name? And then proceeded to ask uh, this publisher question after question after question about the publisher and his individual life. Didn't tell him really anything about the ministry, just cared about him. And the guy went away, the publisher went away, said, I came away the first day from the evangelist, impressed with the evangelist and his ministry. I came away from my second meeting with Billy Graham feeling good about myself. Watch this now. Can I challenge everybody in the house to be that second person? I want, when, when you leave my presence today, I want you to feel better about you. You can like me. I'm all right with that. But I want to encourage you. I don't have time to care what you think about me. That's one of the keys to my joy. That's why I, I listen. Now, now you, you may not like this. This may make you mad. I hope it doesn't. I hope it challenges you. I have not been depressed or discouraged for 32 years. For 32 years. Now, plenty of opportunity. But I just choose joy. One of my keys is I don't think a whole lot about myself because I've got somebody else doing that. His name is God. So I can spend all my time thinking about you and how are you doing. I met this gentleman coming in. Big old smile. Tell me your name, sir. Chuma? Big old smile. Shook his hand. It just, he, I just, he had just a warmth about him. Chuma. Beautiful name. Just he had a, I just, you know, if, if, if being greeted by this gentleman, I would like to stay here for a long time. <laughs> what a blessing. What a smile. He was just so respectful and kind, had a grace about him. Oh, and pastor, you're just trying to encourage him. Well, I'm glad you figured that out. <laughs> I'm sorry for yelling. <laughs> Not only does every single sinner, an opportunity for salvation. Every single saint, an opportunity for exhortation. But number three, I love this. Every single seed is an opportunity for multiplication. Every seed. Now, now again, right away, our minds go to finances, and certainly that is, but please don't limit God. Chuma's smile is a seed. But listen to me. If you're here today and you're, you're, you're discouraged, so where do you want to go? Whenever, I'm, whenever I feel discouragement trying to crawl up my hind leg, can I tell you what I do? 
I begin to encourage others. I begin to sow seed to others. I, I, I've got a, I have a whole, does anybody remember um, actual notes before texts? Remember notes? Paper notes? You remember notes? I have a note, a whole drawer full of Pastor Jim notes. Anytime I feel discouragement trying to get up, call up my hand like, I'll write 10 or 20 encouraging notes to somebody. And by about note three, that discouragement will crawl right back down my hind leg, right back to the devil where it belongs. Because, Nehemiah 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because, uh, 1 Peter 1 and verse 8, we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Because, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, we can rejoice evermore. James 1, 2, count it all joy when you fall into different tests, trials, or temptations. Psalms 118, verse 24, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That word made in the Hebrew is created. God created this day for you to enjoy. This is the year of enjoyment. Now, why do we need to understand that every seed is an opportunity for multiplication? Because you see, number one, we tend to be ridiculously self-centered. Could I have, could I have a better amen? Amen. We do. Yeah, I, I use this example all the time. Anybody ever take a group picture? Come on, do you ever take a group picture? When you take a group picture, what do you do when you look at that group picture? Who do you look for? First, you look for you. There could be 30 people in the group picture, right? And you look for you, right? Come on, be honest with the pastor. And if you look good in the group picture, what do you say about that picture? It's a good picture. That's a good picture. Everybody else could be night of the living dead. But if you look good, you love that picture. Don't you lie. Why? Because you're just like me. If we're not cautious, we'll float down the stream of selfishness. And you can easily relax into being very self-centered. So when I'm sowing seeds... I'm immediately now taking mine off of self, and now i got my mind on, on you. Now, what did I do earlier? I gave away those books. Now, why did I do that? Because I wanted to sow something into your life. Listen, I, you know, we could get a few bucks for the books, but not near as much as seeing you smile and being able to give those away. Well, we came here. We brought something for the church. It was our pleasure. I couldn't wait. We started. It, I, I, we went to a lovely dinner last night with your wonderful pastors. I was like, "Here, we got something for you. Please open it up now." Because the, my my biggest thing is seeing the reaction. I love. I, that's my only selfish. Giving is so fun. It's almost selfish. And I'm not joking about that. I was. I couldn't wait. I was like, Pastor Chesley, should we open it? And I was like, Yes. Please. Plus, I was trying to give him a gift so that I didn't have to pay for dinner. Oh, come on, smile at the pastor. That's another joke. Every seed really is an opportunity for multiplication, is it not? And look at number two, and it's true. If you want to be generous when you have more, please be generous when you have less. I get that all the time. Pastor, how can I be more generous when I have more? By being generous when you have less. Look at your pastor. Money does not create your character. It simply reveals it. 
It just reveals who we already are. So if you're generous when you have less, you'll already be prepared to be generous when you have more. Let me tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? I'm going to anyway. Can I tell you a story? <laughs> we, we, we broadcast, you know, all over the states and all over different countries. And we had a gentleman write in. He was from Florida. And he saw Pastor Chess. He was, I don't know why he was drawn to him. He said, he just said, Pastor, I just wanted you to know I really liked your shirt. I was like, okay. And so, you know, this guy, he, he, that's what he, he emailed in or whatever. I really like your shirt. So, you know, sometimes I'll get emails from my staff or whatever, and I got the email from this guy. And I said, I've got to send him this shirt. You know, we have a very large ministry. I said, this will freak him out. You know, I mean, you know, you watch some different people on TV. How many of those people have sent you shirts? Not, probably not a lot, right? <laughs> and so, and to be honest with you, it was one of my favorite shirts. I'm not wearing it now. One of my favorite shirts, and I just thought about it. I weighed out one of my favorite shirts. I really liked it, da 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 With his expression, when we sent it to him, when he opened that package up and saw the guy on TV shirt. Now, we washed it ahead of time. How many know, how many know that's important? The way I preach that, how many know that's important? And I'm not up there sipping coffee. I'm moving around here, people. And so I, I do want you to know, we, wrapped, we washed it, wrapped it up, sent it to him, and we got a picture through email. We got a picture of him wearing my shirt with his big screen TV in the background with me of the old video on YouTube wearing that same shirt. He was in the same pose with the microphone as I was. And he had made his day that the famous guy on television sent me a shirt. No, it didn't. It made my day. It was so fun. I'm still milking that story to this moment. It's so fun. We met, we, we're, as we met the, we're with your pastors at the pastor's conference. Last year we were there. We met a pastor from California. Didn't, didn't know who he was. He just seemed a bit forlorn. And so we just kind of befriended him. You okay? And I, I wasn't a trustee at that time, just there as a speaker. Are you, you doing okay? And, and he shared his story. Uh, he was from California. And so they went through a very major shutdown during COVID. His wife contracted COVID and died and he could not see her in the hospital. They were together for forever, just like you guys, just like us. That just, you know, hurt his soul. He was just walking through that. And this is the first time he'd been to a conference or anywhere like that without his wife. So the moment we heard that story, we have a ministry within our ministry called uh, the Barnabas Encouragement Ministry. It's to pastors and the ministers. Listen, pastoring and ministry is not the easiest thing in the world. Only do it if you're called. Don't do it if you, if you can be happy doing anything else. Do that. Do not do this. This is not a career. This is a calling. I can't be happy doing anything other than I'm doing. You, you, you don't even know if I'm working or I'm playing, right? Is he working? Is he playing? You don't know. You know why? I love what I do. 
I have the privilege of talking to you wonderful people. What a joy. And you guys are some of those receptive people. That is a real reflection on your pastor. You're so receptive. You're so wonderful. Can I come out and kiss everybody? <laughs> you should see some of the women. No, you cannot. You're disgusting. <laughs> and so we, we have a ministry to where we don't minister just to their ministry, where we give them something, a tangible gift, it's sizable, just to bless them and encourage them. And we, we brought a bunch of those checks with us just to be led by the Lord to bless them. And we blessed that pastor. And you just should have seen the smile on his face. We text each other to this day. To, uh, this morning when I got up, uh, one of the first things I did was text other pastors to encourage them. So fun, guys, when you live a life like this. Every single, it, your life, I'm telling you, it's a paradigm shift. You, you, you won't be so discouraged and, and, and down. Your life will have meaning and purpose every day. The alarm clock won't wake you up. Life will wake you up. Every single sinner is an opportunity for salvation. Every single saint, an opportunity for exhortation. Every single seed, an opportunity for multiplication. And lastly, and that's the best part of the message, right? Lastly, every single supernatural gift is an opportunity for glorification. Now, right away, here's the misunderstanding when I say supernatural gift. You look at Pastor Chash. You look at Pastor Joni. You go, oh, supernatural gift. You look at the praise and worship leader. Okay, she's got a gift. Wow. You look, but listen to me. The supernatural gift that Chuma has, and am I pronouncing that correctly, Chuma? C-H-U-M-A? Beautiful. See, I can spell. <laughs> He's got a supernatural gift, too. He has that gracious way about him. And it may, we, think we limit it to just preaching or singing. But it's not that, folks. Every single, let me give you a couple of thoughts about this. Every single one of you has a gift. Every one of you. You may not know what it is, but you do have one. I, I promise you, I was, I was, I was, I was telling uh, Pastor uh, Joanie, Pastor Chass, about uh, one of the ladies that runs our office. And she does it, we have a huge church, but she does it volunteer. Listen, listen to this. She was a naval commander, commanded 3,000 men. Now just, now just her husband. <laughs> Which we remind him of often. I mean, you know, high-ranking naval commander, 3,000 men. That's huge. A woman, just, just huge. And she retired. She was in the Navy for, you know, decades, and she retired. And she was always so down. She had no purpose. She came to church. She, she met the Lord. She got turned on for God, but still couldn't find her place. And then finally, we, we let her volunteer in the office. And, man, it lit her up. She has a gift. Now she runs because she's used to leading. She runs, she's got 20 or 25 or 30 volunteers underneath her that run the office with her. And she is phenomenal. She has a gift, folks. She's using it for the Lord. We have a 27-acre campus. It's just, we have multiple buildings all over the place. We have a CEO of, a, of his own company who runs what we call the clean team. He does it volunteer. He comes in and cleans all of the stuff, and he runs it. He has a team of volunteers underneath of him, about 40 people. It's a huge facility, but he runs it all. all volunteer. All the folks that clean, volunteer. 
They have a gift. Huh, I mean, this facility is beautiful. But how many know if you come in here and there's stuff all over the place, it's like, oh, my goodness. We, we have another person who's a CEO of his own company who runs what we, everything at Joy Church is, is joy. Full, everything is full of joy. You, we even call the toilets joylets. We, you think I'm kidding. We absolutely do. Listen, listen. You, I mean, you got to go to the throne room, right? You might as well have joy. You might as well have joy. Some of you don't know what to think of me. I'm watching faces. I know. Everything is joy. So we have what we call joy to mow. And so we, we have a whole a CEO leads our outdoor maintenance department. He's got about 40 guys underneath him, all volunteer. He's got a gift. Everyone has a gift. And let me, let me challenge you. When you give your time and your talent and your treasure to the Lord, he will always give it back to you in multiplied fashion. And you'll have purpose and you'll have joy and you'll have life in what you do. And it's an honor and a privilege because one day we're going to stand before the Lord. What did we do with these gifts? And number two, it really is true. Your gift is not for you. It's designed to bless others. This, you, right, right now, all you're experiencing is the gift that God has given me. It's, you may not like it. I, ho I hope you'll unwrap me and enjoy it. But it's a gift. But this gift is not for me. Look at I, I'm a funny person. I, I could be at the comedy club in Houston tonight doing my funny stuff, but my gift is not for me. It's for you. Never was for me. God placed it on the inside of me for you. It's to give glory to the Lord. I want everything that I do to give glory to the Lord. I don't want to waste this gift. And I realize, I know, I know how people are. I know you come to church and and, and many of you have come here and maybe you've been hurt at other churches. Listen, I'm a pastor. I understand that. We, we, we get that. And I, and I know sometimes what we do is when we get hurt, we wall off our heart so no one else can hurt us anymore. And it's a self-defense mechanism that I understand. But the strategy is not going to work. Can I tell you why? The same people that can't hurt you also can't help you. If you have a hard heart and you're walled off to everybody and you let nobody inside, they can't help you. My encouragement to you if you've been hurt is to trust in increments. Never give away long-term emotions to short-term relationships. That's worth coming for right there. In other words, I tell people all the time, love quickly, trust slowly. When I meet you, I'm going to love you quickly. But that doesn't mean I'm going to give you the microphone and let you speak. Because you might be crazy. So I'm going to love you quickly, but I'm going to trust you slowly. I watch people. They're on a journey. They're on a bus. People get on their bus. And I don't mean to be offensive to any women in the house, but sometimes you give yourself away too quickly. Just because he's got a nice car or what? Don't, listen, go slow. Give yourself away in increments. See how people do with what you give away. 
And if they trample on something that's special, you just have identified them as a pig. I don't, I don't mean that mean. I'm just giving you the words of Jesus. Matthew 7, 6. The Bible says, don't cast your pearls before the... When you give yourself away, does someone honor that? Does someone respect that? Does someone value that? Does someone appreciate that? And if they don't, pull back a little bit. But if they do, you can give yourself away in increments. You say, well, Pastor, I've been hurt before, and I want you to promise me that if I come to Houston Faith Church that I'll never be hurt again. Now, listen to me. I can't promise you that. Can I tell you why I can't promise you that, that you will never, ever be hurt at Houston Faith Church? Because there are people here. What do you mean What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs that a stall where there are no oxen is clean, but by much oxen comes much strength. Let me put that in everyday language. Where there are people, there is people droppings. If you want some pristine little land where well, you're never going to get hurt, you have to go to Never Never Land with Michael Jackson. Come on, give me a woohoo. Come on. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell them to beat it. Come on, just tell them. There's people here. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Well, there's one. The perfect church is the first church of heaven, pastor by Pastor Jay Christ. We can arrange your early arrival. But in the meantime, there is a beautiful church like this where not everybody is perfect, but there are a lot of beautiful trees in this garden. And in life, you're always going to find what you're looking for. If you're looking for something wrong, you'll always find it. But if you're looking for something right, there's a whole lot of right in this house. Come on. And in life... Just encourage everybody, don't be a problem seer, be a problem solver. You're not going to be remembered by the problems that you see. You'll be remembered by the problems that you solve. Anybody can see Goliath and say, he's too big. It takes a David to see a Goliath and say, he's too big to miss. You're always going to find what you're looking for. Proverbs 17, 20, the Bible says, when a man has guile in his heart, he finds no good. You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever, you ever watch a, a Bigfoot show? Come on, don't look at me spiritual. I, 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 every once in a while, I'll turn to that just because I think that these people are crazy. You know what I mean? They find, they find Bigfoot everywhere. Everything is every knock. Bigfoot. Every rock, Bigfoot, right? My favorite is when they have the, in the leaves. And, you, and if, you, if you look really closely, you can see Bigfoot's face in the leaves. You, you know what I'm talking you know, about? And you look and you look. I see leaves of green. Red roses too. I don't see Bigfoot. How about you? And I think to myself, what a stupid wild. Well, come on, cheer the pastor. Come on, come on.
You find what you're looking for. Boy, there's a lot of beauty in this house. There's a lot of wonderful, lot of wonderful things in this house. People like Brian serving the Lord. I, I, just a year, we've come to love your pastor's wife. They're quality people. Not every pastor is I go to a lot of places, and a lot of places I, I, I can learn what not to do. Not here. This is, this is a godly, godly place and a beautiful place that's trying to magnify the Lord. Didn't say perfect, but I did say godly. Every single, come on, paradigm shift, folks. If you, simply, if you simply want to make your life count for the Lord, it's so simple. you got to make your days count for the Lord. Every single sinner is an opportunity for salvation. Every single saint is an opportunity for exhortation. Every single seed is an opportunity for multiplication. Every supernatural gift, and you all have one, is an opportunity for glorification. Come on, redeem Ex agarazzo, redeem, buy back the kairos, the divine opportunities. All four of those are divine. You, every single day you'll have an opportunity to do one of the four. But will you take advantage of that opportunity? God gave me that verse, Ephesians 5, 16, about two years ago. It's just really really revealed it in my heart. And ever since then, oh, gave me those four things. I was walking in the park praying, just downloaded all four of those. That's how God speaks to me in those kind of ways that they, where they rhyme. And downloaded all four of those things in my heart. And after he gave me that verse, he illustrated. How many know God's an illustrator? And here, here's, I'll close with this story. The good news is I'm saying I'm closing. The bad news is the story takes 47 minutes. <laughs> I timed it at home before I got here. I'm kidding. Don't panic. God revealed that verse to me. But then how many know that God puts you in a classroom where you can actualize that verse and not just hear it and, wow, I got a revelation. Now we need to flesh it out. And as I mentioned, I'm a shark fisherman. I went. We're on a staff advance. I was with some of my staff. Uh, we were having a meal together, and all of a sudden, on a whim, I decided, let's go down to the beach. Let's see if we can catch some shark. I have a, I have a kayak that I'll you know, take the bait way out in the ocean, and then I'll fish from the shore. And as soon as we got down there, it wasn't, but, and I, I kid you not, but maybe two minutes after we got down on the beach, and that just really showed me. There was a dad who had three little children, and, and mama was not there. One was about two, one was about four, one was an infant. Dad had his back turned to the beach and was attending to the infant. And the two-year-old and the four-year-old, now we're not at the ocean ocean, we're at a sound. And there's a sound, there's a, a current that's quite strong in the sound, and we're uh, in South Carolina, so the water, like Texas, is dark. And all of a sudden, I was way on the beach, I saw the two-year-old and the four-year-old, and they were drowning. I saw it instantly. I, it was just all, it was like, if you've ever, Pastor John, and Pastor Chess understand, I hope you do too, sometimes when you're doing things that you know are from the Lord, everything seems to slow down to me. Well, everything's speeding up out here and by, but it's, it's slowed down. I ran into the ocean, and the current was very strong. And I was able to grab the little girl who was four, 
And now the little boy had gone under. Now listen, we're in a current where it's dark. It's, you know, it's just it, only God. And I, and I, I said the words because I to the sister, where's the boy? That's what came out. Where's the boy? And as soon as I said those words, that little boy came popping up in front of me, in front of me, right in front of me. I mean, the odds, it couldn't happen if it wasn't God. Came popping up in front of me. And had, this was his last breath, folks. You could tell. He had sheer terror on his face. I, to this day, I can't decide if it's from seeing me as the first thing that we came out of the ocean or was, you know, oh. I've seen some of that on your faces today. And I don't mean to be crass, but it, it was his last. You could tell his, he just was so scared, Pastor Chad. And I was able to grab him. And you know how hard it is to swim with two kids in your arms and, and current? Only God, only God Almighty. Now, now, after I brought those kids in, Ephesians 5.16 became alive to me like never before. Now, all of a sudden, I knew why I was at the... I knew I could have been down there two minutes later, those kids would have died. And I don't mean to put anyone under bondage, like, oh, i got to be in the right place at the exact... You can, you can put yourself in a bondage under that. But I am asking you to redeem the time. Because, listen to me, you may have a lifetime or an opportunity of a lifetime, but you don't have a lifetime to fulfill that opportunity. Redeem the time for the days are evil. And if on a daily basis you do one of those four, when you stand before our precious Jesus, you won't just hear well. You'll hear well done, thou good and faithful servant. Helping anybody today. Help that encourage you. Come on. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Would you close your eyes for just a moment? Can I talk to your heart? Thank you for being so gracious to me. You're so receptive and so kind. You were really pulling on the pastor, and I appreciate that more than I can say. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you died tonight and you do not know where you'd spend eternity, heaven or hell, I need you to be real before God. Listen, just as I mentioned, sure enough, there's going to come a time where every one of us will take our last breath, like that little boy almost did, and step into eternity. And when we do, you're going to experience one of two things. You'll experience either justice or you'll experience mercy. And everybody in the house should want to experience mercy. Here's what I mean. If God gives us justice, if we decide, okay, God, I'm going to do my own thing, my own way. I'm going to establish my own set of rules or righteousness. I'm going to approach you on my terms. If you do that, God is forced to give you justice. And here's the problem with that. Well, God is love, 1 John 4, 8. He is also righteous and holy. And heaven only accepts a 100% test score. And the trouble with that is that neither me nor you qualify. 
And if we get justice, even if you're a really moral person and you've hit it 80, 90, 98% of the time, you've been a good person, you still don't qualify for heaven because God is love, but he's holy. And only 100% qualifies for heaven. Now, that's really bad news, but that's just the x-ray. The cure is the gospel. And Jesus died to give you the cure. What, what do you mean, Pastor? Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth. Deity wrapped himself in humanity. He lived a sinless life. Got it right 100% of the time. And the only one to do that died on a very cruel cross for my sins and for your sins. For everything that we fell short of that hundred, Jesus died for. Listen, he went down into the heart of the earth, Matthew 12, 40. And there, death could not hold him. Why? He was not there with his sins. He was there with mine. He was there with yours. He was there with my alcoholism. He was there with my lust, my selfishness, my anger. He was there with that, not his own sin. He was there with ours. He was raised from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6, seen alive by over 500 eyewitnesses. Revelations 1 and verse 18, Jesus said, I am alive forevermore. Romans 8, 34, he's at the right hand of the Father now, ever living to make intercession for us. And now he said, I didn't say this, but he said this. John 14 and 6, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life, not a, I'm the way. The Greek word odas means road. I'm the road. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man can come to the Father but by Jesus Christ. I know that sounds narrow-minded, but listen. Jesus was the only way because he was the only one to qualify. So if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, that's the gospel that's the good news. The bad news is all of us have the x-ray of sin. The good news is Jesus Christ died for that sin in our place. So if you're here today and you never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you died tonight and you honestly are not sure where you go, heaven, hell, you honestly don't know, right at your chair, right where you are, now, go call you up here. I just simply want to pray with you right where you are. If that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus in either one of those categories and you want prayer and you want that prayer today, if that's you, please signify yes by raising your hand right now. Yes, sir. I appreciate that, sir. Anybody else want to say yes to the Lord? Just want to pray. Yes, sir, I see that too. Yes, ma'am, I see that. Thank you, guys, for your courage. Anybody else want to join these three? Yes, ma'am. Anybody else, if that's you, please don't be embarrassed or ashamed. This is your moment. Second Corinthians chapter 6, 1 and 2, the Bible says that now is the time of salvation, not tomorrow. 
so proud of you four wonderful people that lifted your hand. I'm going to lead them in a prayer. And I'm going to ask that everybody in the house pray with them because I don't want them to feel alone. I gave my life to Jesus as an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar and I was all alone. Had no friends. That's why I'm asking everybody to pray with my four friends because I don't want them to be alone. Let's all pray. Let's all pray out loud. Let's all pray from our hearts. But don't just repeat it after the preacher. Meanness from your heart. Let's pray now. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you right now. Sin, I turn my back on you. Jesus, I turn to you now. And I believe that you took my sin on the cross. And I believe you died just for me. And I believe you were raised from the dead just for me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Today I yield my life to you. And I do it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.